Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. And welcome into an edition of Purple Daily. Declan Goff here. Mackie and Judd will be joined by former Vikings kicker Ryan Longwell, who will discuss Dan Bailey's recent struggles. But before we get into the episode, every episode of Purple Daily is, of course, sponsored by Corona Hard Seltzer. And Dan Bailey, I know he's been struggling a little bit lately, and I think he needs a little bit of the Pure Beach vibes from Corona Hard Seltzer. It's the only hard seltzer made with those Pure Beach vibes with no wide rights or wide lefts. It has a refreshing splash of fruit flavors such as tropical lime, mango cherry, and blackberry lime. Corona Hard Seltzer is a tasty spike sparkling water with a splash of natural fruit flavor that allows you to enjoy the moment. In each can, Corona Hard Seltzer has zero carbs, zero sugar, 90 calories, and is gluten-free. Relax responsibly. Corona Hard Seltzer, Spike Sparkling Water with Natural Flavors, imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Football. You know, you have to look at history, you have to look at past performances, you have to look at the person. I mean, you know, sometimes you guys write bad articles and, you know, does the does your editor come in and say, hey, you know, either write this one better or I'm going to fire yours. You look at what you've done in the past. I mean, it's all the same stuff to me. No, I haven't talked to him. I'll talk to him uh, tomorrow or Wednesday. I haven't made the decision yet. Yeah. All right. My, that's Mike Zimmer just sort of tap dancing around. Kicker questions all week after Dan Bailey's performance on Sunday. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff producing. And this is Purple Daily. We appreciate you guys pushing us. Uh, up close to, I believe it's 12,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. Uh, we have opinions on kicking, and we have given them throughout the week. But we figured, let's call a guy who's made 361 field goals in the regular season over 16 years in the NFL and six seasons with the Minnesota Vikings, Ryan Longwell. Thanks for jumping in on Purple Daily today, man. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. So you're, I mean... You're only, I mean, you're pretty young still for a kicker. You're 47. How does the right leg feel? And have the Vikings called you this week? Uh, they haven't called. Um, and I will tell you, I could go out and kick great today. Now, when I woke up, or wake up tomorrow, it may not be the same thing. So <laughs> I don't know how, uh, how long I could go as far as consecutive weeks, but, uh, I could be, uh, I could be pretty good, uh, you know, on one day at least. Just game days, man. Sunday, right, exactly. next Sunday, I, I, don't, don't practice. This is enough to recover now at age uh, 46, 47, you know. <laughs> so as the, as the last guy that the Vikings employed as a kicker, who I think the fan base can agree 
they could count on. Like when when you went out to kick, it, it was not an adventure. I don't think people uh, grabbed their heads. I don't think people started to cry. Uh, what what is your assessment? And we've certainly talked about this before, but now uh, Bailey's added to the list. What is your assessment of the continuing meltdown of a position that is not really appreciated until the meltdown starts, and then we all say, "Oh my God." Yeah, I mean, I think you have to look at the, to me, it's a big picture right now. Uh, I mean, I've told you this before, as we've talked over the years, like I, the reason I was brought to Minnesota was there was a, you know, revolving door of kickers coming through and they blatantly told me we want to settle the position. Like we just want calm with the position. And so, you know, for six years, w- we tried to do that. Um, and I think we did it okay. The one thing now talking about this big picture thing is, you know, I had Colin and Cluey my entire time there. You know, I had one long snapper my entire time in Green Bay. And you look at, like, let, let's talk about, like, the best of the best um, around the leagues. So, you know, Justin Tucker, I, I would, I think it's hard to argue that he's not the best in the league right now. He's had one holder, Sam Cook, and one snapper, Morgan Cox, his entire time. And so you can't, like, pull these kickers out and look at them individually, although – that's kind of the thing that is the trend. And a lot of personnel guys do that. You have to look at the operation as a whole. And that was my approach. My whole career was every time we kicked, whether it was before practice, during practice on game day, pregame, whatever, it was the entire operation. I very rarely used the tripod. It was the whole snap and hold. And I'm talking about, I'm just for even like the snapper getting over the ball, rotating and laying on the ground, how he's going to have it on game day and snapping, you know, when Cluey and Colin and I, you know, we're well into our first year, but later on in our third or fourth year, I mean, you could time the entire operation. And I'm talking about the second colon got over the ball to the second the ball left my foot. And it was within a tenth of a second of the next time and the next time and the next time. So I think you have to look at the macro picture of what's changed. You know, you look at Blair Walsh. His first year was unbelievably good. I don't think it's any, you know, just coincidence that he had Colin and Cluey there that first year. Uh, I think you look at what's changed over the past couple of weeks with Dan and they made a, a switch at long snapper. And I was talking about you know, this with someone the other day. You can have a long snapper that puts it right on the money and bring in a new guy and he puts it right on the money and it's exactly perfect. And it looks optics wise that it's the same thing. And it can be two tenths of a second slower or two tenths of a second faster in his operation and his approach. And I'm talking about when, you know, when Dan nods that he's ready for the ball or the, or the holder flashes that he's ready for the ball. If it's that off, that much off, it throws off the entire operation and the rhythm. And there's really two kind of kickers in the league. I mean, for the most part, there's the bashers. There's the guys like a Matt Prater, uh, a Justin Tucker, you know, a Blair Walsh for that matter, who are swinging for the fences every single time. And, and that's how they do it. And then there's the rhythm guys. There's guys like I kick. Like it's all about the rhythm like Dan kicks and, and Dan is a very rhythmic kicker. It never looks like he's swinging hard, much like I did it. And so therefore it's not about the power. It's about everything operating in sync and in rhythm. And it's all about the rhythm and the routine. And when you take one thing off, it throws the whole thing up. the whole apple cart. And to me, that's what I see. I see one miss equaling two misses because it's just out of rhythm and out of sync. And, then it starts to affect like, you know, psyche and technique. Do you, do you have the willpower to just keep swinging away? Um, but it's the whole operation. It's not just one guy. So do you, so 
amazing insight, and I think uh, you know a lot of us just sort of see like, well, what's you know, what's the difference? As long as the long snapper doesn't roll a ground ball back there, then it should be fine, right? So, so going forward here, they've it sounds like they they're gonna they're gonna work out a kicker or two this week, but just based on how long it would take to get a kicker through COVID protocol, Dan Bailey is probably gonna kick against the the Bears this weekend. Um, is it is this is this fixable to any degree this week? He's a veteran, so I'm sure like I'm sure he's gone through slumps, not like this, but slumps before. Is this fixable this week to where he can have a good game on Sunday, or would you be concerned about Sunday? Uh, I think it is fixable. I think Dan, you know, uh, taking these last two weeks out. I mean, Dan's been really good. I mean, really, really good in his career. You know, he had a a stretch of twenty something in a row just within the last year or so, and uh, he was great in Dallas. So. Uh, he's been really good, but I would say this is just as fixable as, you know, kind of the Daniel Carlson situation. I mean, and so, you know, I, I to their credit, it seems like, you know, the, the management of the bikes has learned that they probably pulled the string a little too quick on uh, on Daniel Carlson because he's been phenomenal. And, you know, I think, Judd, I told you after that game that, you know, what he was going through was entirely fixable and it was fixable quick. And I kind of feel the same way about Dan. I mean, Dan's a pro. We understand that our job is is one at a time. And if you miss one or two in a row, your job's on the line. And if you make 20 in a row and then miss the next two in a row, guess what? Your job's on the line again. So it's kind of that thing with this job. Um, I would expect he's uh, he's going to be fine. I would stick with him because I don't think the alternatives are any better, uh, to be honest with you, in the open market. I don't think bringing in someone – that may get you through this week is necessarily going to be better for the next, you know, four to six weeks. Uh, and so I think you have to take a big picture approach and, you know, I think you have to be very careful of who's chirping in Dan's ear. You know, what's he hearing? What are people saying? You know, there's a lot of pros out there that uh, think they know how to kick, but they don't know how to communicate the right thing. And I mean, I, I've seen it in my career where a coach says something and, you know, you just know that they have no idea what they're talking about. And it's not their fault. Like, you know, there's not many people that understand kicking, but um, there's a few out there that just have to, you know, kind of bite their tongue <laughs> and let Dan, you know, kind of work on, on his rhythm and the routine. And um, to me, it looks like he's out of sync. I, you know, I think there's a couple things. I mean, I think he needs to just, you know, if I was talking to him, I'd tell him two things. One is make sure he's aiming where he's aiming. Meaning if he thinks he's aiming at that spot, let's double check and make sure you're aiming because it looks to me like he's a little out of position and it looks to me like his head position is a little off. So just keep his head a little more over the ball and make sure he's aiming where he's aiming and he'll swing away and, and the ball will start tracking true. So if if the Vikings were to call you and ask you not to help with Bailey, but from a big picture standpoint of, of their approach to kickers and the fact that we continue to go down this path, what would you tell them? Because it sounds like what you're you're saying too was the decision um, to cut cutting uh, impacts Bailey. So there there has to be a grander plan here. What what should the Vikings' grand plan be as far as their their um, handling of the specialist, Ryan? Well, I think you have to take a long term approach, and the long term approach includes growing pains. Now, whether that's you know rolling a couple snaps back, whether that's muffing a couple holds as we saw Cluey do, you know, in our first couple games. Cause you know, when I signed with the Vikes, I was told by uh, coach Ferraro, you know, my special teams coach on my free agent trip, he said, Cluey's going to hold for you. And I knew Cluey had never held before, 
But my message to Childress and Ferraro was, I got this. Give us time. When it clicks, you'll never, ever have to worry about us again. And we were deep into Mankato before it clicked. But once it did, we were, you know, we were great. And so I think you have to understand, you know, that. And then we go out in the first game against the Redskins, including muscle hole, you know. So it's not like fired, bring in the next guy. You know, you have to understand that there's a, a bigger picture here. Full well knowing that the NFL, you don't have 160 games. So you have, you know, basically 16 one-day tryouts to get into the playoffs, and you have to perform on those days. But I think you have to take a, a bigger picture approach like the successful teams do. I mean, you look at the run that, you know, the uh, the Ravens have had with their kicking game. I mean, is there anybody that questioned whether Justin was going to make that kick on from 55 on yeah. Monday night? I mean, no one. Like, no one no one thought twice about it, you know? But there's a lot of teams where you throw someone out there from 35, and they're like, uh-oh. But that's the situation where they've had the same snap or the same holder, the same kicker, um, and they've built that group together. And everybody can swing away when things are going right, you know? But I would argue that if you have a snapper that throws a ground ball or a one-hopper back, but that one-hopper is in rhythm – Versus the guy that's throwing strikes that's brand new, that's throwing it faster or a step slower. I'm telling you, the ground ball is going to be a made field goal. Whereas the one that's faster or slower, it may get off squirrely because it's the rhythm, it's the routine of the entire operation. And I think when you pull the holder out, the snapper out, the kicker out, when you look at them as one-offs, that's where the Vikings have gotten into trouble over the years. And that's the one thing, um, you know, I'm going to share this with you. We were two to three weeks into Mankato, maybe our second week in Mankato, my first year with bikes. And, uh, you know, we were in field goal drills, maybe four or seven, five or seven, something like that. I mean, not, not you know, like we should be making everything. And Chile pulled me aside after the drill and he said, you know, listen, we need confidence in you. The team needs confidence in you. And we need to, you know, turn this corner here. And I told him, I said, listen, we are so close. And I told you in April, when this clicks, it's going to click. This may click tomorrow, and it may click next week. I don't know. But when it clicks, we will never, ever have to have this conversation again. And lo and behold, we had a scrimmage that Friday night and just striped it. And from that point on, for six years, you know, for the most part, we never, ever had to have a conversation again. And so um, I think that's the holistic approach of, you know, even the daily coaching of it, looking at it as an operation from snap to hold to kick rather than looking at it as the kicker or the snapper uh i think would help the overall approach to uh to the organization what's what i feel like you've never like you, you kick for 16 years and i can't remember like a meltdown game where it were just like every kick was and i, and I just out of curiosity to, to prove my theory i did pull up pro football reference and you did have one game with the packers in 2002 at Soldier Field, where you did miss three field goals in one game, but you but you made six kicks in that game, and you guys won by two touchdowns. So what what is the worst you yeah. remember ever feeling on a so football? So here, the ironic thing about that game was that was the Monday night game we played actually in Champaign, Illinois. Okay, at the University of Illinois, it was uh, during the renovation season of the uh, you know turning Soldier Field into a cruise ship. It was that year, <laughs> um, and. Right. Uh, and I actually, so I had, I hit the upright on one of them. I hit a kick that went over the top of the upright that we thought we made and they waved it no good. And then we had one block. So those were the three misses in that game. Um, 
you know, I just always knew that it was all about the next kick and I was never going to swing harder for the next one because I had missed one, two in a row. I was never going to swing easier because I had made 10 in a row. Like I just wasn't going to do that. It was always about the rhythm and it was always about the routine. And every kick I took was with an entire snap and hold. And so I just never let one game, one kick, one situation, uh, you know, kind of mess up with my approach to kicking. And I mean, I'll tell you, I hit great balls in Lambeau Field that I guessed wrong with the wind and they missed. You know, such is life. I hit terrible balls that I kind of pushed one way or the other and they blew back for the uprights with the wind. So <laughs> should one cause you to tweak the year's form versus the other? I mean, not really. You know, you kind of the made one with miss hit is far more concerning than the missed one with with the good hit. And so I think the thing that you got to look at is when you're looking at kickers, when you're looking at the last couple weeks of Dan, the thing that's obvious to everybody is he's not hitting a 12 to 6 rotating ball that's just missing. He's hitting these quirky, squirrely kind of, you know, we call them like X balls. They're, they're not rotating end over end. That tells me it's less about form and it's more about the entire operation and, and that's that's exactly what daniel carlson did in lambo that day he was hitting those kind of x balls high and right um, yep. and to me it's an operational thing rather than an actual fundamental technique like this guy forgot how to kick that's that's not what you see when you see the balls flying off his foot that way all right sir it's been 10 years 10 years since the epic 2010 <laughs> Um, if there if there is one thing from that godforsaken season that you think about the most, what is it? I mean, that's the problem, right? There isn't one thing to think about. I mean, I, I think the, you know, you go through the Saturday night meeting of we think the roof's going to cave in, and you're like, what's going on? And then you have, you know, children getting fired, and you have the, the Randy Moss thing, and then you have, uh, you know, the the Monday night or the Tuesday night game in, in Philly, the Monday night game in Detroit. But, you know, I always go back to, for whatever reason, you know, the last Monday night game in TCF, um, I'm driving to the stadium with Brett. We knew it was going to be his, you know, his last game. And I rode with him instead of the, uh, you know, with the, with the team or the bus or anybody else. And we're driving to the stadium. We have a security guard with us. And I'm like, you know, it's pouring down snow. And his career's over, right? And we're driving. We're almost there. We're driving through the snow. And I'm like, kid, you know, what are you thinking? Like, you know, you've been through so much in your whole career and driving the stadium for the last time. Like, what are you thinking? And, you know, you're expecting, like, some far either soliloquy or joke or something like that. And he goes, I'm thinking I'm going to give it a go tonight. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And he, and he wasn't he I ruled think, out? He was ruled tonight. out at that point, right? Not doubtful, he but he was out. Yeah. He was out, and he goes. I, I said, "What?" And he goes, "I think I'm going to play tonight." <laughs> like, I mean, if that's not the cherry on top, of not only 2010, but Far's entire career, I don't know what is. Did he? I, I feel like he probably posed it in a question to himself, though. Uh, am I going to play? Maybe. Am I going to? Am I, I going to play? Sure. Well, probably. I mean, ironically, I mean to take it one step further. Yes. He goes and throws a touchdown pass, and then gets knocked out cold. Yeah. So, you know. It's kind of like uh, there, there was our 2010 season. <laughs> and the incredible thing about that was, if you recall, it was Cluey who tweeted on the Sunday before that game, we can't play, the field's going to be frozen, and it's going to get somebody, I think his exact tweet was killed. 
And the Vikings were yeah. like, no, it's the punter. Cluey's nuts. Just but don't. And the guy that damn near got killed was Brett Favre. Like that to me, <laughs> you know, it wasn't McKinney or Peter. It was no, Brett Favre. There was a white chalk outline of his body. It was unbelievable, Ryan. I mean, totally. Like knocked out cold on the ice. I mean, like, you know, I think I've said this one before, but one of the funniest things of that whole experience was, you know, that it was under four feet of snow. It wasn't ready. Hadn't been played for a month, you know, and. And we're told Monday of game week, like, guys, it's going to be okay because we have this, you know, chemical they're going to spray on the field the day before the game. It's going to soften the turf. Everything's going to be all right. So we go there Sunday, Monday night game. We go there Sunday for our walkthrough. It's literally an ice skating rink. I mean, I'm not kidding you. It's an ice skating rink. And we're in tennis shoes. We're not even in cleats, you know, which rubber shoes should be able to stick. And they call us up, and one of our guys, I don't know if it was Lieber or Chad Greenway or someone said, uh, what happened to the uh, chemical to soften the turf? And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, they tested it and realized that uh, it actually burns flesh, so we can't use it. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's plan B? That is God. so 2010. It might kill the players. That would be a bad idea. Oh, my God. Hilarious, man. Uh, burn your flesh, but yeah, you'll be safe. Or we'll play an ice skating rink and knock out the Hall of Fame quarterback. Okay. Actually, I think we'll that's that that's too. a way to make Week 17 games more interested uh, for non-playoff teams. We're going to put a flesh-burning <laughs> substance on the field. <laughs> Come watch for <laughs> three hours. <laughs> Ryan Longwell, man, we appreciate uh, whenever you come on the show, and uh, and we'll do it again sometime soon, all right? Thanks, Thanks. for coming on. Thank you, Thanks, Ryan. Man. Appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. All right, that's uh, that's Ryan Longwell. He's uh, he's always got great stories when he comes on the show. And... That's really good stuff. Oh my god, I didn't know the burning flesh part. <laughs> well, it's because Chris Clue was always viewed like that part of it. He was always viewed as like the wacko, right. who's just the renegade. Yeah. You know, of yeah. course, Chris Cluey has a problem with the field. He's like, no, there's no heating coils. Yeah. Are you guys sure about this? I had forgotten the story about the uh, chemical, though. That's great. We found it's out amazing. it burned. We found out it would kill you, basically. But that, so we're not going to do that one. And you guys are working on just for the for the Purple Daily audience here. Uh, between Christmas and New Year's, we're going to release a multi part series. You, Brian Murphy, who covered that season for the Pioneer Press. Yep. Uh, you're welcoming and guest Chad Greenway joined. Yeah. And it'll be a deep dive into just the debacle the 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 interesting like every word you can think of of that 2010 Vikings season the 10 year anniversary and Chad, so look for that on the feed. Uh, Chad shares some things about Randy Moss and Percy Harvin that I had never heard yeah. before so there's some really there's some intriguing stuff even 10 years after the fact that uh, I don't think has been discussed or revealed interesting yeah some really behind the scenes stuff I haven't heard any of it it's really cool yeah so that'll be that'll drop on Purple Daily podcast and YouTube uh, between between Christmas and New Year's. Before we get to our picks and pecking order, and, and by the way, we normally do our State of Kirk Cousins on Wednesdays. We're going to do that on Thursday this week because Ryan was able to join us. I know we had there was some choppy audio in there, and so we were kind of debating, like, ah, should we cut this short as we're going through? But it was so good, and his insight is so amazing. Hopefully you made it through some of the, the choppy audio there. Did he say anything that made you feel better about the idea of Dan Bailey kicking again on Sunday? In a playoff race. No, but it's not. He did not, but I don't blame Bailey now. Um, yeah, he basically his timetable is exactly right. Yeah. The The decision to change the long snapper is basically what he's saying could throw off the op- operation. Um, I really do believe 
that one one really that it's an important shortcoming that the Vikings have is I don't think they appreciate um, the kicking game at all as far as the nuance to it. No, it's, and I think that's his point. Mike Zimmer and, and Mike Zimmer is not the only one making these decisions. And by the way, Austin Cutting. He had some injury issues and had a couple bad snaps. And in he there, had the right? bad PAT snap that rolled. Yeah, at, and I, I think that when he rolled that ball back uh, in Chicago, I think that's what cost him his job at Soldier Field. Yep. And so what happens in those situations is Mike. I think Mike Zimmer's instinct is to do what he would do with any other player on the field. Right. You make a dumb move as a cornerback, Chris Boyd. Chris Jones gets your snaps onto the next guy yes. until you prove yourself like a Harrison Smith or something. Yep. And uh, with specialists, it's. It's hard for us to process just the nuance of it, but it's they're golfers, man. Like it's yeah. it literally is no different. I mean, Declan and I golf on a regular basis, not well, but ninety five, sometimes hundreds. And but even like us not really being great golfers, you yeah. can kind of like if if you get a new set of clubs or if you're if your swing's a little bit off, it just <laughs> it, your rhythm gets thrown off. And so if a snap is off, if a hold is off, the timing is off. I can see how. And then by the way, all of that. Ultimately, the only person that gets blamed is the kicker because he's the one that's kicking I, the ball. I can't so. tell you how much, like mentally, too, not to go Declan Daly here on on, on, uh, on Purple Daly with golf, but you know, like well, this last round I played right before the end of the year, the attendant got upset at me and my buddy because we were literally three minutes late for our start on a full go- golf course, uh, on a full golf course. So he like berates into us that we're three minutes late. That's uh, not, that, not good etiquette. And, and it's not good yeah, form. you're supposed to be early. Yeah, you got to be there on time. And, and and then we were with another pair, so we were like, he, like you guys came in TF, you have to go meet them at the green. And we were like. Okay, like no, like we were being okay. Like yeah, we were, we were sorry, we're late. No, we're late. no fault. But this guy right. is such a bleep hole to us that like for the next seven holes, that's all in my head, and I couldn't focus. And it was the most terrible round of golf I think I've ever played. Yeah, dude, kickers are golfers. They're the same man. thing. And kickers Zimmer's, are golfers. Zimmer's yelling at Bailey, and Bailey's not playing well. It makes sense. Well, and if the guy and and if the guy who comes in to snap snaps differently, like the timing's off there, it, it's an interesting uh, path to go down from a guy who was very successful and did it. Compared to our thought, which is, why does Dan Bailey just now suck? Yeah, it's I, that nuance was really helpful. But, but yeah. you know what? If you're a football guy, right? Football-y McFootball guy, like that's going to be the last thing that you appreciate. Football. Because to Phil's point, you're right. Like you're, it, It's a game where guys are hitting and sweating and grunting and groaning and I'm replacing guys and the, this chess piece comes out. It's a macho. And yeah. now I got to worry about, and this is why I'm telling you, I think that the two the two positions that are the bane of Mike Zimmer's existence are quarterback and kicker. Because they're both sort of psychological, you know, you got to be careful here, you got to do, do this. And I think he, it's why he loves the run game. Well, Because th- what's the run game? I hand the football to the guy and he just bowls people Yeah, over. he doesn't quarterbacks and Personal. kickers can can sort of go rogue and alter the game negatively but they can also impact the game positively if you empower them and absolutely things the right way but he views them as potential hindrances to his defensive and ground control <laughs> game right exactly. and instead of watering those positions in in their very different positions watering them in a way that gets the most out of them he gets really impatient when they make mistakes um, not that he doesn't get impatient with like the cornerback making a mistake, but he, but, but he he's more comfortable he with that. that. Yeah, it's it's so true. He thinks he can fix. Mike does not garden. No, so like no, what you're not, saying, he's, he's not a he's green not a gardener. Thumb. He's he's not a gardener. He's not a green thumb. He just he just basically plants it and expects it to grow. <laughs> Meat and potatoes type of guy. Yep. Uh, let's do a pigskin pecking order here, boys, to wrap this episode of Purple Daily Woo-hoo! Football. 
fire up that music. The 10 yep, best teams right. in yeah. the NFL. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's do, do it. Uh, do it. Are we going to do it? Producing. Yeah. All right, Judd, who are your 10 best teams in the NFL? By the way, powered by Corona Hard Seltzer Spiked Sparkling Water, the pigskin pecking this order. Is become, slurp, slurp. This has now become great fun because it's just a hodgepodge. It's just a complete mess. Like until I get to... One or two, it's just a mess. You say it's a mess. I actually think it's there's a, fun a lot mess. of fun teams in the yeah. NFL this oh, year. Oh, yeah, no, but I'm just saying, like, it can change radically from week to week to week. Mm-hmm. Number 10, they beat the Raiders 44-27, so they stay where they were last week, though, the Indianapolis Colts at 9-4. and four. Yeah. Number 9, I dropped them two places, but I didn't drop them out, the Cleveland Browns. That game was so much fun, mm-hmm. and I'm still not buying into Baltimore, and Cleveland was seven in my uh, pigskin pecking order last week. They're nine now, but they're not out yet. Moving up one spot, they decimated the Jets, and it's the Jets. But Seattle is now eight. That was, that was a get-right game for sure. They moved up one spot, but but the Seattle Russell Wilsons are eight in mm-hmm. my pigskin pecking order. Number seven, uh, going up one spot as well, the uh, Titans, who beat the Jaguars 31 to 10, which was not hard, but uh, they are also my fourth consecutive team at 9 and 4. Dropping two more spots. They were number two for a long time, and I that's a weird, weird team. Declan likes them. I'm not quite as high on them. The Pittsburgh Steelers, 11 and 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were fourth last week. They're now sixth. They lose a 26 15 to the Buffalo Bills. My top five, the Green Bay Packers at 10 and 3 or 5. They beat Detroit, again, a bad team, but they, what, clinched the division on Sunday, so the Packers are five. Uh, they're nine and four, but I'm actually going to take a chance here and move them up from six to four because I think that they're really, really damn good as long as the quarterback plays well, the Los Angeles Rams, Jared Goff. So their record is not fantastic. They do lead their division, but I put the Rams at nine and four fourth. My top three teams. The Saints fall one spot after a surprise loss to the Eagles, 24-21. They are 10-3, and but I dropped them one spot. And that is because I move up to my second spot, also 10-3. and They beat the Steelers. That's right. The Buffalo, Stefan Diggs's. The Buffalo Bills are 10-3. and Brother, your team, huh? They are second. Well, no, I can't claim them. They're someone else's team? I can't claim them, but they are impressive. I like them. And you know what? It's a solid squad, the Buffalo Bills. And number one, and it ain't going to change, the Chiefs at 12-1. and So I go. Bills and Chiefs would be fun right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I go Chiefs, Bills, Saints, Rams at four, which might be too high. Packers at five. Steelers, Titans, Seattle Seahawks, Cleveland Browns, Indianapolis Colts. We should do a football porn segment, just like just every single week going down. Can you guys fun matchups? Can you guys imagine the the gloriousness Mm. of the uniform matchup? Chiefs and Bills, red. And red against the blue. Yeah, I'm, oh. I'm here for it, dude. Well, I mean, that's it, football porn. Red on red. What if yeah. they, well, they could wear what they wore on dresses. Sunday, right? Yeah. But what about if they went? If the Bills went with the blue and the Chiefs went with the red? What if the Packers and the Seahawks played, and you had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks going at it in the NFC Championship game with questionable defenses? Oh yeah, yeah you like that? Oh yeah, give me that fuchsia. Give me some more of that fuchsia. What's fuchsia? Seattle's colors. Oh okay. Is it? 
Are they, are they were green fuchsia. and blue. I thought they were fuchsia. I fuchsia is a red. Yeah. Isn't fuchsia like a purple? Yeah, uh, I might be wrong. I, it yeah, sounded good. But, but yeah. let, just let me roll with it, you <laughs> jerks. Let me roll with my assessment here, yeah, okay? It's, pink. it's like a pink purple. Yeah, I'm very Bravo-like. <laughs> not even close to I'm green. I'm very Bravo-like. Fuchsia. You know, for you guys to stand in the way of my fuchsia comment is really upsetting. <laughs> Fuchsia. All right, here's my pigskin pegging order. Oh god. Okay, I have a I have a hard time. I move the Buccaneers slightly out, and the Titans are slightly out, and the Dolphins like all these teams could get back in with a couple good. Titans weeks. are out right now, or no? Right wow. now they're out. Oh wow. Out, yep, yep. Oh, give it to me. Yep, and I don't feel great about it, but I got the Colts number ten. I think the Colts are maybe the most underrated team in the NFL. I think the Colts can give most teams, if not all, trouble. Yeah. And if Philip Rivers is right arm, uh, you heat him up with some Ben Gay for a couple hours. I think. He can still do some damage. I got the Browns at nine. The the Browns. Yeah. The funny thing about the Browns is their offense is absurd without Odell Beckham Jr. and their defense is the question mark. They can't. I mean, when when yeah. when the Ravens got the ball back with a minute left, it was a foregone conclusion they were going to gain forty yards and get into field goal range because the Browns' defense is kind of a disaster on that front. But I got them number nine. They're they've become one of the fun teams to watch. I've got the Steelers down to eight after the last two weeks. Oof. I don't blame you. Oof. I don't. I can't. I can't blame them. Dax. I, I get it because the power rankings. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And again, it's not. I don't rank based just off record, which is why I've got you know other teams ahead of the Steelers here. I just I, I sort of go off of if they played each other now. You know what's the vibe right now in the league? And the Steelers are reeling right now. Steelers strike me as a first game playoff game out. They like, could very like well they're, be. They're the type of team that just like yeah, because they're going to. Our record was really good. Who are they? I mean, they're going to play like the Colts or something, or you yeah. know, they might play the Ravens. I got the Ravens seven. The Ravens still have a chance. They're flawed, and I don't put them as high as I would have last year at this time. But um, if Lamar Jackson's going to play like that, they can do some damage. I got them seventh, so I got those three AFC North teams in a row there. I still have the Seahawks six after they got right, so I moved the Seahawks from like tenth back up to six. Because when they're right, they're still flawed, but they've got an unbelievable quarterback and weapons, and they can score. And uh, and I'm I'm just sort of I think they've they've gone through their slump, and now they're going to come out of it. I dropped the Saints to five because of the question mark on Drew Brees's flak jacket. Like if he's not going to play this weekend, and he's he broke like nine ribs or something. The Saints with without Drew Brees are not one of the three or four best teams in the NFL. And if it's Drew Brees kind of coming back in week 16, like I just don't know about that team if he doesn't come back. So I've, I've dropped them to five. Mm-hmm. I got the Packers four. Aaron Rodgers, probably the MVP of the league right now. Yep. Rams at three, one of the most Ooh, complete nondescript teams. Uh, but they are great defensively. And uh, if Jared Goff doesn't throw game-changing interceptions, that's, they can beat anybody in the league. That's exactly right. And then I got the Buffalo Bills two and the Chiefs one, and I really want that matchup to happen in the AFC playoffs. So Chiefs, Bills, Rams, Packers, Saints, Seahawks, Ravens, Steelers, Browns, Colts. All right, Jacqueline, kicking mine off. I'm I'm keeping the Browns at ten. Browns uh, had a good showing. Baker Mayfield was impressive. Um, I think the Browns, although they are a sieve defensively, like if the Browns are going to win a game, it's going to be forty five, you know, forty two to thirty five. They are not going to win a game 17-10. They're not going to win a game 14-10. It's going to be an absolute shootout, which is fun. It, it's with Andrew Sandejo plays for them, right? Yes. Like oh, as yeah. long as Sandejo is playing for you, you're just yeah. not good. Kevin Stefanski like, needs a Harrison Smith and an Eric Hendricks, oh. and then honestly that team could be one of the most complete teams in football. I but, like it. But the Browns are 10. I have the Ravens 9. 
Um, I, I think what Lamar Jackson was able to do using uh, maybe a bidet uh, between the third and fourth quarter, uh, I, I think this is a team, if they're going to get healthy right and Lamar's back and they get all these guys off their COVID list, this is a team you probably don't want to sleep on and then they can still make a run. They were probably perceived to be like one of the best teams to upset the Kansas City Chiefs. However, I, I still think I've liked what they've done. They had an impressive win, so they're nine for me. At number eight is the Seahawks. You know, Russell Wilson is obviously a very talented talented QB, but that Seahawks team, I think, is very flawed, and he's holding them up. I have the Titans seven for right now. Uh, I, I would like to move them up a little bit more, but I, I think they're the most well-rounded football team and one of the best coach teams in the NFL. I have the Saints six. Uh, if Drew Brees is indeed out, and, and this defense is legit, I have trepidations about, about what New Orleans can do. Mm-hmm. So, so they're number six for me. I have the Rams at five. If you were to ask me, you know, who is more likely right now to move on, I think it's the Rams over the Saints just because even though Jared Goff, it can be flawed, I trust Sean McVay and Jared Goff more than I do Sean Payton with gadget quarterback and or Jameis Winston who hasn't yet to play it like a meaningless snap in, 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 the, in football this year. So I have the Rams five. I still have the Steelers four. I have this Pittsburgh Steelers four, and I know it's more of their body of work that I'm looking at than their recent weeks, but I still think it's a very good team. They've played three games in the last 10, like 12 days, basically. I think they can still get things right and, and be probably can, can at least still threaten the Chiefs. I have the Packers three. I have the Packers number three right now. I think they are the best team in the NFC. Uh, every, every week it changes. <laughs> Who is the best team in the NFC yeah. right Ooh. now? I think it's the Packers. I, I think uh, the margin between the Rams and Saints and Packers is all very close. But right now, I think the Packers are three. So that means the Bills. I'm with Judd. Bills are number two right now. They're hot. They're sexy. They're a fun team. And the Kansas City Chiefs are your number one. So 10 through one, I go Browns, Ravens, Seahawks, Titans, Saints, Rams, Steelers, Packers, Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, your number one team. I think the Rams are the best team because I love that defense. Like the Packers defense, I just can't tell. But the Rams defense, if it is to me, it, it does come down to one thing. Is Jared Goff going to, he does not have to be a star, but is he going to play well enough for you to win a game? And he's the guy that could cost them. But if he but if he does play fine, and he just has to play fine with that defense, I think the Rams can win the conference. Yeah. Well, the Rams did go to a Super Bowl and played a close game, even though it was one of the ugliest Super Bowls ever, Yeah, in that Super Bowl with Jared Goff at quarterback. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, he's not gonna. I don't think he's gonna dynamically light you up for four touchdowns and be the reason why, like the sole reason why you win. But um, yeah, if like if if put it this way, if that Rams team, if you upgraded from Jared Goff to like a top five quarterback, oh. they'd be the odds-on favorite to win correct. the Super Bowl right now because be they're the most complete team. That'd be great. Quick thought on Jackson, Dex. Dex um, here's my guess with the way that he trotted back uh, to the locker room in Cleveland. Yeah. Um, if he did what we think he he did, I'm saying walk off. He didn't need a bidet. He no didn't way, need dude. anything. No, no, no oh, way. Oh, did you see With that trot? He was that running? was that was going to be no bang. Way that was a walk off, dude. I agree. Zero it was, chance. It was. I bet you it was very uh, very Messy. liquidy. Is what oh, was yeah. No doubt. In my Football. <laughs> what do you think he had pregame? Something sent me a pregame didn't work Spicy well. Th- maybe he ordered Thai food on level zero spice and they accidentally gave him the five. That's happened to me before. Do you know how Ooh. dangerous Thai food would be pregame for any sport? Yeah, some of these some of these guys though they carb load so that. Oh they my can, god! I don't yeah, know but why would you, you would just do load. like go, but like Thai. F- oh. Oh, oh boy. I, I mean, I like Thai I have food. no idea don't, if you like Don't get me wrong. Thai Maybe, food. oh, yeah, it's good. Fantastic. I love it. I love a good. I, I had some meal good Brussels, Thai Brussels sprouts with my uh, birthday steak dinner last night. Hey, that gets the colon right, man. That's what you're Brussels supposed to do. Brussels sprouts? Yeah. 
The Brussels sprouts. I like Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts it's the colon right. It does. <laughs> I don't. It's I know. It's just right. a funny. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. Hmm. I'm not criticizing you at all. I'm just okay. saying it was a funny line. Okay. I enjoyed the line. All right. Heck of a show here. Yeah. Heck of a show here today. <laughs> from, kicking, Purple Daily. from kicking to what gets the colon right. Yep. We really cover uh, it's all wall, about nuance. Wall to wall here on Purple Daily. Purple Daily. It's all about the nuance. Thanks for hanging out with us. And be sure to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. And we'll see you. We'll do a state of Kirk Cousins tomorrow on the show.